And now, introduce today's guest. Just over four months ago, here in the same forum, Finance Minister Dwight Duncan told us that Ontario was facing some very serious challenges. He said we were just beginning to see signs that the economy might be turning around. Financial markets were starting to show some positive trends, and there were even some evidence that consumer confidence was returning, marked by a modest upswing in the housing market. While Minister Duncan had every confidence that the Ontario would overcome the obstacles it faced, he remained cautious. We were not out of the woods yet, he said, and there was a lot of work, a lot of work against us. Our ties to the U.S. economy, the job losses that Ontario suffered, especially in the auto sector, and the high value of the Canadian dollar didn't bode well for a quick recovery. As business dropped off and unemployment rose, the government's corporate tax revenues fell by more than $6 billion in one year, an unprecedented 48.1%. Experts said it would probably be 2011 before Ontario's economy was back where it was in 2008. This last year has been one of rebuilding for Ontario operating on the premise that you have to spend money to make money and that the huge influx of cash was critical to avoid further even catastrophic economic and job losses. The province poured $4 billion into the auto sector. Billions went to infrastructure projects, job creation, and meeting the increased demand for social programs and services. An overhaul of the taxation program began, designed to make the province more competitive, reducing personal and business taxes alike. We started ramping up for new growth, with new bridges and highways, investing in skills for the workforce, better and early schooling for our children, broader access to higher education, and virtually anyone who wanted it. Last fall, Minister Duncan left us feeling encouraged, if not confident. He said that when we are through this, and we will get through this, Ontario will be bigger, Ontario will be better, and Ontario will be stronger. This minister and this government have worked hard to get us through these tough times. So today we'll hear how Ontario is doing. Please help me welcome Minister Dwight Duncan, Minister of Finance for Ontario. John, thank you very much. Uh, many of you will know that John and I have been friends for many years, although we're on different sides of the political spectrum. I must confess, when I heard that you were introducing me, I felt rather like the hen about to walk into the fox's den, uh, but I appreciate that. And of course, John, in the immortal words of Vito Corleone, as long as your interests and mine don't collide, I wish you well. <laughs> this has been quite a heady week for finance ministers. Uh, British Columbia reported on their budget plans. Uh, my colleague Jim Flaherty presented his budget yesterday and now I'm here to do a little bit about what the Spinmeisters call preconditioning and I hope uh, I hope for your sake that your weekend in any event will be finance minister free I do want to talk to you about the economic outlook and the McGuinty government's plan to open Ontario to new growth and new opportunities I'll talk about some of the challenges we face and the government's plans to increase jobs and growth, both in the near and long term. As John pointed out when I was last here, we've seen a deep and significant recession that was felt in every corner of the globe. The speed and breadth of the slowdown took the world by surprise. The United States lost 8 million jobs during the so-called Great Recession, and 6.1% of American jobs were wiped out. Today, for every new job in the United States, there are six people 
actively looking for work. Here in Ontario, we lost close to 250,000 jobs. Our government saw corporate tax revenues drop by close to 50% in a single year. Now, there is good news. Some early signs of the recovery have arrived. All major economic indicators in Ontario have improved since the lows that were posted during the recession. Ontario real GDP has increased for two consecutive quarters, rising half a percent in the third quarter, by the way, exceeding the rest of Canada. And we, all, the po- all the signs point to stronger growth still in the fourth quarter. Since June of 2009, employment in Ontario has actually increased by 85,000 net new jobs. Retail trade has recovered very well. Almost 85% of the decline in retail has been made up. Much of the weakness resulted, of course, from auto sales, which came down some 32.9% in the period January 08 to December of 08. For Ontario as a whole, housing resales have bounced back. Since last January, sales have increased 62%, and Ontario MLS prices have risen 19.5%. By no means, though, are we out of the woods. As Mark Carney recently pointed out, the thaw is coming, but there's a catch. The Ontario economy and the Canadian economy are entering crucial periods of adjustment. And let's not forget that far too many of our fellow citizens are out of work. We have an economic and a moral imperative to get more people back to work. It is what we do now that will help shape how fast we get out of this and how ready we are for the increasing pressures in the global economy. One of our first challenges is that the pace of recovery is uneven. Overall, we're doing better than some of our neighboring American states. We've seen, however, that there is a disparity in the recovery across Ontario. The bidding wars are back for many houses in Toronto, yet those same houses in places like Windsor and Oshawa and Sudbury and Timmins, there are no buyers. Though employment is up in some sectors, we haven't gotten back to pre-recession levels. In some sectors, job numbers have not moved back up at all. Until we return to pre-recession employment levels, we have more to do. Employment statistics don't mean much when a member of your family has lost a job. And that's why we created a stimulus program to create jobs. Like other governments, we had to mitigate the impact of the recession by taking action on jobs. We invested and invested significantly in infrastructure programs right across Ontario. We invested in the auto sector to keep people working. We made a conscious decision to follow the IMF's advice and invest 2 to 3% of GDP in stimulus. We did it to protect and to create jobs. The $32.5 billion investment in infrastructure is creating over 300,000 jobs, not to mention providing the province with improved roads, bridges, public transit, and schools. In spite of what has happened in the auto sector, Ontario continues to build more cars than any other state or province in North America. 
Our support for the auto sector, including our assistance to General Motors and Chrysler, has helped preserve thousands of jobs in an industry that employs some 400,000 people here in Ontario. At the same time, we protected the valuable public services that keep Ontario thriving, education and health care. We also accelerated the Ontario Child Benefit by two years to help families in need better weather the slowdown. We invested in helping people get back to work in new and emerging industries. Our groundbreaking second career program is supporting over 26,000 Ontarians who are going back to school and training for a new career. Our plan is working, but there's more to be done. And I think what I was most proud about last year with our budget and with our tax plan and all that we did was that we had, on the one hand, the support of all the big bank and financial sector economists, and on the other hand, we had the support of virtually every anti-poverty group in Ontario. I was having a beer at Mullins on Bay Street one night, and there was this fellow inside with a Blackberry taking pictures of me. He looked a bit like an anarchist. He was a young guy, and I was a bit nervous about that. And he said, don't worry, Minister Duncan. He says, I want to take your picture, and I'd like to get my picture taken with you. I'm part of the Anti-Poverty Coalition. Your government has done more to create jobs and to put money in people's pockets and help them through this than any other government in the world. And that was a moment I was very proud of. I don't think he'll be out greeting the G8 folks when they get here in June, but I, I took some, some solace in that. During the recession, we needed to position Ontario for new jobs, and we continue to do that. But now we have the additional pressure of needing to position Ontario for long-term sustained growth. Mr. Flaherty laid out his plan yesterday, and it, it's what I described as a stay-the-course budget. The federal government is wrestling with the same challenges that governments all over the world are facing. We were pleased to see that the Canada Health and Social Transfers have been extended for another year, though at the same time we're concerned about the expiration of skills training dollars and childcare funding. In Ontario, we have a balanced and responsible plan to manage our finances prudently. We know, we know that if we want to maintain strong public services and attract investment, Ontario needs to get back to a solid financial footing. Let's remember where we were a few short years ago. I don't know how many of you know this. We've only actually balanced, I think, eight budgets in the last 20 years. And three of those were ours. We, uh, five years ago, we inherited a deficit, and we eliminated that deficit in record time. And then we followed, as I said, with three successive balanced budgets. Then the recession came. And like other places in Canada and around the world, Ontario has incurred a deficit in order to create jobs and protect those public services. Allowing deficits to continue without a plan to elim eliminate them is untenable. To start with, we're facing a demographic ticking time bomb. Looking out at this audience, I see a lot of baby boomers. We baby boomers started out as musketeers. We grew into flower children and hippies. We went to discos in the 70s. We wore our hair far too thick in the 80s. We became yuppies, 
And yes, ladies and gentlemen, on January 1 of this coming year, we become senior citizens. And that has an enormous impact on all governments. A significant risk for Ontario and other governments is the possibility, some would argue a probability, in addition to that challenge, the challenge of rising interest rates. Interest rates are at an historic low, and government borrowing is at an historic high. For every 1% increase in our forecasted interest rate, Ontario would pay an additional $520 million per annum in interest costs. Every dollar that goes to interest costs is a dollar that cannot go to health care or education. That's why in my upcoming budget, we will lay out a plan to return the budget to balance. We will not put economic growth at risk by cutting too much too fast, but we will proceed to get our spending back and get our books back to balance. We will continue to make responsible choices and at times difficult decisions. We will do so in a fair and balanced way. Roger Martin uh, pointed out in his most recent Task Force on Competitiveness that since 1990, Ontario has fallen behind our peer states in per capita GDP. The consequences for not realizing our full prosperity are real. So now we must focus on building a new foundation for economic growth in Ontario. Our job is to help create an environment for economic competitiveness, an environment for Ontario to reach its true potential. And that's why on Monday, the speech from the throne will focus on growing our economy. Growing stronger requires that Ontario be open to change and open to new opportunities. We see the need to, for Ontario to be more open, more open to global trade, more open to investment, more open to new ideas, and more open to new people. Open Ontario is a five-year plan to build a new foundation for economic growth and jobs. We've already laid out some important aspects of this plan with two important initiatives. First, tax modernization, and second, green energy. Our tax plan for jobs and growth has been getting strong support, as I indicated earlier, from many sectors of the economy. Businesses tell us it will help them invest and create jobs. Small businesses, in particular, will find administration, the cost of that administration, simpler and less burdensome. A recent KPMG report shows that our tax plan will significantly improve Ontario's competitiveness. Personal income taxes were reduced on January 1 of this year, and on July 1, we're reducing corporate income taxes and moving ahead with the HST all of which will help create jobs here in Ontario. Jack Mintz notes that our tax measures will have a dramatic impact by significantly lowering the tax burden on new business investment and increasing capital investment by some $47 billion. The research suggests that by 2020, we will see an increase of household income of up to 8.8%. Most importantly, Mintz estimates that our tax plan will lead to the creation of nearly 600,000 net new jobs 
within 10 years. That's good news for all Ontario communities and all Ontario families. Green energy is going to be a significant source of employment in the very near future. Our program will create 50,000 new, new jobs in Ontario over three years. Al Gore has called it the single best green energy program on the North American continent. Samsung's partnership with Ontario to produce clean energy from the wind and the sun is just the beginning. In the speech from the throne next week, the government will be outlining more elements of the Open Ontario Plan. In the meantime, let me share some of the thinking that's gone into that plan. Since we took office, we've placed an extraordinary emphasis on education. We launched full-day learning for four- and five-year-olds, which will help our youngest kids get ready for school. We lowered class sizes and invested in schools. Our Reaching Higher program delivered the most significant investment in post-secondary education in 40 years. The evidence is clear. A well-educated workforce in Ontario's is Ontario's competitive advantage, Ontario's key to prosperity, and it's also our key to more jobs. One of the areas where Ontario is starting to do very well is in the clean water industry. Slowly, this sector has become one where there is significant global demand. The Conference Board of Canada estimates that the global market for water technology is over $400 billion, with annual growth of up to 15%. The other factor that has been decidedly in our favour is the strength of our financial services sector. Our sector, our financial service sector, weathered the global economic storm and we became known for having the world's most reliable financial institutions. In Ontario, this sector accounts for significant employment and wealth creation. This sector still has untapped potential to be more innovative and to create more jobs. And Ontario will continue to support the creation of a common securities regulator, and we will continue to demand that the head office of that regulator be right here in Toronto, the centre of Canada's financial services industry. Northern Ontario has much more to offer the world. Our first diamond mine opened in 2008. Now people are talking about the Ring of Fire. That is a Johnny Cash song, but it's something much more important than that. It's an extraordinary find near Hudson's Bay. It may contain the largest chromite deposit in the world. Chromite is the metal that gives stainless steel its shine. Forbes magazine called it the accidental gold rush. Chromite and diamonds are both a significant boon to our mining industry and to those communities nearby the mines, and we need to help them create more jobs in that region. So I look forward to working with the North and all Ontarians on these very exciting developments. Before I conclude, I want to talk about one last thing. As many of you have heard, we are doing a thoughtful review of government business assets to determine if we can do more to turn them into generators of jobs and growth. The upcoming throne speech and budget will not, will not announce the sale of any asset we currently own. We will, however, continue to examine whether our government businesses could be unleashed to provide new jobs and economic opportunity 
for Ontario families. There are new models for maximizing assets that protect and preserve the public interest. It is possible to significantly increase revenue and maintain regulatory control. The question we are grappling with is, are our assets being maximized to the advantage of all Ontarians? As we review and research our options, we've established a number of principles. Government regulation and protection of the services provided to Ontarians are critical. Any changes to the structure of our assets must create jobs and growth. The bottom line is simple. Our objective is the long-term interest of all Ontarians. On Monday, you'll be hearing more about our Open Ontario plan through our speech from the throne. In the coming weeks, we'll breathe life into that plan and lay out a plan to eliminate our deficit through the budget. We all have tough work to do, and we all have a duty to dedicate ourselves to it. I consider it my primary task to help position Ontario for jobs and prosperity while managing our finances prudently. Ontario has the raw material to build on its strength as a global innovator and a competitive force in the global marketplace. We've become a leader among provinces. We've been a leader among our competitor states. Now, in this new environment, we need to be a global leader. Ontario's doors need to be open, open to trade, open to students, open to global opportunity. In so many ways, Ontario is a global leader in mining, in financial services, in education, in health care, but we can do better still. We have what it takes here in Ontario to be the best. Our Open Ontario plan will help us get it there, and I know working with people like you throughout this great and abundant land, as I said four months ago, we will be bigger, we will be better, and we will be stronger. Thank you so much for having me today. I'd like to call uh, John Duffy, Vice President of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to the podium. Thank you, John. I'm the uh, liberal John who gets to thank the minister after the conservative John. Um, minister, from the depth uh, and, 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 and quality of the content uh, and the ideas that have been put before us at lunch today, you'd certainly never know that this is a government that is uh, currently prorogued. Um, you are all obviously working very hard uh, during this brief downtime, and we look forward to the, uh, the throne speech and the budget. Uh, you're certainly not wasting your full three days of prorogation uh, with, any, with any beach time. Um, let me just say, I think there's an enormous amount for us to digest here, not just the very good uh, food uh, that we're going to be having, but uh, intellectually. Uh, we're obviously on a track towards a pretty important budget uh, and a pretty important speech from the throne uh, here in Ontario at a time when public policy is in, in motion. Uh, I just wouldn't want to let the opportunity go by to, to note the, the, the breadth and expansiveness of the vision here. This is not obviously a minister who is simply focusing on the narrowness of the balance sheet or on a PNL. There's a vision here for all of society and our whole economy and what we're trying to do here uh, as a collectivity uh, and as individuals and families. I think that's really important, and to do that at the same time as avoiding both the ease of a stand-pat position uh, and the snares of ideology 
to say things like we will review what government does and we'll do what makes sense. Not, we'll do it not because we want to or we think it's ideologically a great idea or it gets a, gives us a kick, but we'll do it and see what makes sense for Ontarians and our economic prospects. That is really hopeful. That is the kind of leadership for which I think everyone here is really grateful to you and the Premier. So thank you for sharing it with us today, uh, Minister. Appreciate it. Thank you, my liberal friend, and uh, thank you again, Minister Duncan, for your, uh, for your speech. Before we eat, I'd like to mention two of our upcoming events at the Canadian Club of Toronto. On April 7th, the Honourable Deb Matthews, Minister of Health and Long-Term Care of Ontario, will discuss patients first means quality first, building the health care system Ontarians deserve. And on April 30th, we are pleased to announce the fifth annual Women in Public Life Luncheon when the Honourable Anne McClellan, former Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, will be our keynote speaker and Equal Voices EVE Award recipient. To order tickets to these or any other Canadian Club events, please visit our website at www.canadianclub.org. Minister Duncan will have to leave us shortly to attend immediate availability, so Minister, thank you once more for speaking to us today. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of the Canadian Club events. And I'd like to now, ladies and gentlemen, please stand and join me at the Toast to Canada. To Canada. Please enjoy your lunch.